You are listening to The Stender with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. So what are we doing when we pray? That, I think, is one of the central questions that many of us have as Jews. I know that it is uh, in that range of questions, questions about prayer and what prayer is, and I don't really get anything out of prayer, and why is there so much Hebrew, and all of these questions about what are we supposed to be doing when we're praying are, if they're not the highest quantity of questions and conversations I get as a rabbi, they are in the top tier. So the question then before us is, what are we supposed to be doing when we're praying? What is prayer supposed to do for us? What are we supposed to get out of it? It's a really important and really good and really deep question. And it's a question that I think defies one easy answer. So all I want to do tonight is offer one suggestion. And it's a suggestion that uh, I learned from uh, my teacher, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel who says the following thing about prayer. He says, prayer takes the mind out of the narrowness of self-interest and enables us to see the world in the mirror of the holy. For when we betake ourselves to the extreme opposite of the ego, we can behold the situation from the aspect of God. I'm going to read that one more time because Heschel is, uh, is, is rich. Prayer takes the mind out of the narrowness of self-interest and enables us to see the world in the mirror of the holy. For when we betake ourselves to the extreme opposite of the ego, we can behold a situation from the aspect of God. He puts it, I think, a little bit more succinctly in this passage. The focus of prayer is not the self. It is the momentary disregard of our personal concerns, the absence of self-centered thoughts, which constitute the art of prayer. Now, many of us are no doubt surprised by what Heschel is saying here, because When we just take that English word prayer, it comes with a whole bunch of connotations and baggage. And if you were to look up prayer in the dictionary, at least one of the definitions you would get for prayer or for it to pray is to ask for something, right? Do me this favor, I pray, right? We ask for something. We, we, we give petitions. We, we're, we feel bereft of something. We feel like we need something. We feel like we want something. And so we ask for it. And so most of us have an association in our minds with prayer being about request. Prayer, prayer being about petition. What we're doing is we're, 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 the synagogue is like the magic lamp. The prayer book is, uh, is the magic lamp. We rub it a couple of times. We say what we're supposed to say. We say the proper incantations. Um, then the genie is going to pop out and grant our wishes. Right? That's how most of us, I think, have been brought up to think about prayer. And Heschel is saying that despite impressions, despite perceptions, that's not what prayer is supposed to be. And so we say to ourselves, well, we 
In Judaism, we are told that we're supposed to come to synagogue and open up a book and read words out of a book and sing songs out of a book. And often those words are words I don't understand, words that I wouldn't have written, words that even when I look at them in the English, I can't really get behind or wrap my heart around or my soul around. So most of us who grew up in a Jewish context experience prayer that way. We say that this is what prayer is supposed to be in Judaism, is sitting in a room with a bunch of other people reading words from a book that we can't really read and that most of the people sitting around us can't really read and can't really understand. And, uh, and we're just supposed to be here and go through the motions of doing that, and maybe that's prayer. And Heschel is saying, that's not what prayer is either. Both of those experiences of prayer are masks for what prayer truly is. Because in both of those contexts, what we see about prayer is that they are outlets for our own ego, outlets for our self-interest, outlets for our self-centeredness, and self-absorption, right? So we, through most of the week, through most of the day, we focus a lot on what we need, what we want. I would venture to guess that even though we might be loath to admit it, that is the animating thought for most of us in most of our lives. And the same thought not only applies to petitions in prayer, what we want and what we need, and that's what leads us to do that, but it also leads to thinking about prayer in the challenging way that a lot of us often think about Jewish prayer, right? So we say, okay, we have this book with all these words that we don't really understand, they can't really get behind it, so I'm not going to come to synagogue, right? Or when I come to synagogue, I'm going to complain about it because I don't really understand what we're saying and why we're saying it. But that comes from the exact same place because it presumes that the object of prayer is us, is you, is me. That the point of prayer is to understand and identify with words on a page and mean words on a page and say words in a book and believe the words that we're told to believe. But that comes from the same place. That is about us. And what Heschel is saying, counterintuitively to our experience, I bet, of prayer, is that prayer is not about us. Prayer is not about me. Prayer is not about you. The object of prayer is actually the abandonment of my me-ness. Your abandonment of your you-ness. To take our ego out of the equation, to take in some ways our self out of the equation. To see ourselves just for a moment in the greater cosmic picture of things in which we are actually not the center of the world or of the universe, in which we are more or less just an infinitely small speck in the vast expanse of the cosmos, to see ourselves in that context for what we truly are, which is not a body for whom the universe revolves around. So I want to talk about that um, in relation to something that I'm experiencing uh, right now. So I have, uh, as some of you know, a two-month-old son. 
um, who uh, is wont to get up in the middle of the night. And, uh, and I experienced myself getting up at uh, 4 o'clock in the morning, which is a very frequent occurrence these days. Um, this was a couple of nights ago. I got up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and you know, I heard the crying on the monitor, and you know, I get the kick from Adira saying, it's time to, you know, it's your turn to go and deal with him. Um, and I, you know, sort of get out of bed, like, grumbling and upset, like, I need my sleep right now, this is not what I want to be doing, this kid has no respect, you know, no, no sense of boundaries, you know, uh, and, and I walk in there, and I pick up my son, and for one moment, for one instant, I caught a glimmer of what Heschel is saying, to see the world from the vantage point of an other, to jettison my own ego and my own interest, which isn't exclusively to get him to stop crying so I can go back to sleep. It's to tend to the need of somebody who's crying out for my help. That is what we're supposed to be doing when we pray. Maybe it'll happen only for a moment, for an instant. But the act of prayer, the process of prayer, is to have those moments in which we all of a sudden can see the world outside of our own vantage point. To see the world in the mirror of the holy, to see the world in the vantage point of God, to, for a moment, escape our own self-interest. The Hasidic masters call this bitul hayesh, nullification of yourself or of oneself nullification of having things. So you might ask yourself, well, how do we do that in prayer? Because, you know, again, I'm praying out of a book that I'm supposed to read, words that I don't know, tunes that I may not yet have learned, uh, words that I don't really believe in. And I think that the answer is to take the question out of what you are able to do or not to do and to place the emphasis of the question on how you can, in this space or in any space, for a moment, abandon yourself. That's the objective of what we're doing here. So if you see me during services, very often my eyes are closed. And my eyes are closed, not, not because I know the words in the prayer book by heart, because I often have my eyes closed and I mess up the words in the prayer book. Thanks for picking up the slack, Hazan. Right? But because the, my, my eyes show me this, that my eyes are a window into the self-centeredness of my world. It's all about what I'm seeing, what I'm experiencing, what my senses are taking in and how I'm processing it. And so the only way to get out of that modality is actually to close my eyes. So what would it look like for us in this room, especially maybe those of us who aren't so familiar with the Hebrew of the prayer book, when we pray, to close our eyes and just let the music reverberate through you, to try your hand at participating in the singing, to utter whatever words you can, or to utter only one word, almost like a mantra, over and over again to get to what the Buddhists call beginner's mind an absence of the self, bitul hayesh. 
And I see that a lot of you are really uncomfortable with that. And I think part of that is exactly the same phenomena that we're hoping to escape when we enter into prayer. Because we don't want to be judged by the people around us. We don't want to look weird. We don't want to look uh, out of place. We don't want to look out of sorts. And Heschel's saying, if you don't want to abandon that pretense, then it is impossible to pray. And it's impossible to achieve the spiritual heights that can come with that kind of prayer. And then the ultimate question is, why is that the point of prayer, and why does that matter? And the answer, of course, is because the world is much bigger than you. And there is a lot of need, and a lot of others, in this world. And when we don't take moments in our day and in our week to abandon the pretense of ourselves and to jettison even for a moment the needs and dictates of our own ego, it's impossible to hear those cries coming from the other room. And that's why this weekend, Martin Luther King's birthday weekend, Martin Luther King Day weekend, I recall the words that Abraham Joshua Heschel said when he marched in Selma, from Selma to Montgomery with Dr. King. For many of us, the march from Selma to Montgomery was about protest and prayer. Legs are not lips, and walking is not kneeling, and yet our legs uttered songs. Even without words, our march was worship. I felt my legs were praying. Because with this kind of prayer, with a prayer that opens ourselves up to the world around us, to the voice of God in us and through us, and the voice of others calling out for our uplift and our support, our lips pray, our ears pray, our eyes pray, our legs can pray, our hands can pray, our hearts can pray. Shabbat Shalom.